0: You're listening to the Groundswell Sermon Podcast, a brand new church in the Halton region, Ontario, Canada. Thank you. Well again, good morning. I'm so excited to be back. I've had so much fun with you and I, I appreciate your grace and your 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 kindness and your fellowship over the last few weeks over this month and as uh, the couple times that I came in the summer um, and fall uh, I've really experienced the love of Christ through you and so I appreciate you very much as siblings in Christ as family in Christ Uh, we're going to be continuing our series on unpacking the cross this morning and uh, as Ralph mentioned it's going to be a little bit different uh, in terms of the format. I'll talk about that in a minute. A uh, couple things just as reminders. Um, there are uh, some, some study sheets that you can take home, and if you're interested in further study after the service, uh, I think Ralph has those. Okay, they'll be on the back table where the kids' books are. You can take those home. You can do them by yourself, or you can do them as a family or as a small group. That's up to you, um, but it's just an opportunity to kind of continue to meditate on the Word together. Okay. Uh, also, uh, next week, there's not going to be a sermon, there's going to be Q&A time. So just a reminder about that, there are some cards on the white table back here by the door uh, that you can write some questions to, and you can uh, hand those in to, I guess, Peggy today, and she'll make sure that I get those, and uh, any questions that I have in advance, um, I'll try and do my best to, to answer next week, and then there'll also be an opportunity next week to ask questions on site. And, and again, I'm going to just throw this out here. I, I don't have all the answers. No pastor does, okay? Um, and uh, if, you're, if you're trying to stump me, you probably will, okay? But uh, I believe that Jesus is going to show up and speak to his kids. And that if, if I don't know an answer, maybe we can find it together, right? So hopefully next week will just be a really cool opportunity to meditate on God's word through dialogue in, in, in maybe a different way than we usually do on a Sunday morning, okay? Let's pray. Oh, Father, thank you so much that we get to call you Father through faith in Christ, that we have literally been born into your family by your Holy Spirit in our spirits through faith in Christ. It's not a metaphor, it's a reality that, that we used to belong to the family of Adam, and now we belong to the family of the last Adam, Jesus, We used to be sinful by nature, and now we've been transformed as we've been meditating on these truths over the last few weeks, transformed into children of God. In your words, transformed to saints. Would you show us, Father, more of your love this morning through the finished work of Jesus? Commit this to you in Christ's name. Amen. This morning will hopefully be less of a sermon and, and hopefully more of a reflection on and, and I hope and pray an experience of God's amazing love for you and me. There are many ways to meditate and learn from Scripture, right? There, you could study it, you can use commentaries and word studies and, and Greek and Hebrew dictionaries and you can really dig into the, the history and the context and the, the cultural nuances of every word, of every verse of Scripture, you can really try and figure out academically what the original author of a passage intended to say when they wrote it and what the original audience of that passage would have understood when they heard it based on who they were and where they were and when they were in history. That's, that's one way to meditate on the scriptures. Another way to meditate on the scriptures is just simply read a passage and, and take a minute in the spirit of God to reflect on it. And just to reflect on what does this teach me about God, about creation, about humanity, about the world, about the relationships that they were meant to have with each other or that they can have again with each other through Christ and his redeeming work. Or you can do one of my favorite things, which is what we're going to try this morning. And you can just remember that the stories we read in Scripture really happened to real people who were just like you and me, who had real hopes, real dreams, real talents, real successes, real failures, real struggles, real emotions, real in-the-moment reactions to the things, real in the moment, human reactions to the things that were happening in the stories of Scripture. And then use your God-given imagination, and I do mean that, it's God-given, to really put yourself there inside the story, to see it and experience it as if you were there. So we're going to look at three passages of Scripture this morning. A story that really happened to real people in the very real presence of Jesus. Then we're going to look at a parable that really came from the mouth of Jesus and his audible voice as a human being 2,000 years ago to a listening crowd. And then we're going to listen to a promise of God's amazing love to his people that, that came from his voice to the prophet Jeremiah and then to his people through the prophet Jeremiah. And, and after those first two passages, we're going to sing a song to help us reflect even further on God's amazing love for us. Okay, so you with me so far? We're going to read some scripture, talk about it. Then we're going to sing... And then we're going to read some more scripture, talk about it, and then we're going to sing. The New Testament repeats twice to, to speak to each other and to teach each other in songs and hymns and spiritual songs. So we're just going to experiment with that this morning. We're going to use our imaginations, and we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna trust Jesus to speak through song, which I believe is the language of the soul, music. All right? Okay, here we go. I want you to listen to John chapter 8, verses 2 to 12. There's no slides this morning other than this one slide because we're not going to be reading the scriptures. We're going to be listening and putting ourselves there. So I want you to listen to John chapter 8, verses 2 to 12. And I want you to really put yourself there inside the story. Ask the Holy Spirit to guide your imagination as you do this. You can close your eyes as long as you promise not to fall asleep, okay? If it helps, but you can close your eyes, really put yourself there, inside the story, uh, while Jesus is teaching a crowd of people inside the ancient Jewish temple courts. So picture this. A beautiful sunrise coming up over the horizon. Warm sand under your feet. Big, beautiful stone pillars in the courtyard of the temple. And this is what happened. At dawn, he, Jesus, appeared again in the temple courts, where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such woman. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But picture this. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away, one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. It's Just the two of them. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. You can open your eyes if you had them closed. You can nudge your neighbor awake if they fell asleep. There is coffee over there just, you know, as a, as a extra insurance. Um, what was it like? You don't have to answer these questions audibly. I just want you to think about it. But what was it like to put yourself there inside the story? As the Holy Spirit led you, were you there listening to Jesus? um, Or or were you there in the crowd just watching this unfold? Or were you there, did you find yourself in the story, in the shoes of one or more of the characters? What were you thinking and feeling as a human being, just like the woman, just like the people in the crowd who who were actual people, just like you and me? What were you thinking and feeling each twist and turn along the way? What emotions were coming up for you? How were you responding and reacting to things? This is, I know it's going to sound strange, hopefully it'll make sense in a moment, but this is actually one of my favorite stories in the entire Bible. Because this story really is a picture in and of itself, in God's sovereignty, this story is a picture of how God deals with you and your sin and my sin as his children, if you've placed your faith in Jesus as your saviour. And it's how he wants to deal with your sin if you have not yet placed your faith in Christ. See, the Bible calls Satan the accuser of the brethren. The Bible calls Satan the accuser of the brethren. He drags us before God, just like the Pharisees dragged the woman before Jesus, and he points out all of our sin. He says, look at all the things that Nate says and does that aren't like you, Jesus. Look at the moral failures that he commits. Look at the sins that he he commits. Look at the temptations that he gives into. Look at the sins that he commits and the temptations that he gives into over and over again throughout his life. It's written in your word, Jesus, just like the Pharisees said, Moses told us to stone such women, Well, Satan says it's written in your word, not mine, your word, Jesus, that the wages of sin is death, that he deserves death. He deserves to be separated from you forever. So what are you going to do, Jesus? What are you going to do? You can't go against your word. But you know what Jesus does? He ignores the accusations completely. Just like he ignored the Pharisees and started drawing in the ground. Why? Because the price has been paid. And when Satan persists, just like the Pharisees persisted, you have to act, Jesus. You can't go against your word. Your word says the wages of sin is death. Then Jesus stands up for you, just like he stood up for the woman, and he sciences the accusations with his word. He says, I lived a perfect, holy, righteous, and obedient life in Nate's place, and I earned his way into God's kingdom for him. And I have given him my righteousness and holiness as a gift And it is written, he has become the righteousness of God in me. I died on the cross and was punished in his place so that he could be forgiven. So that he would never have to be. And through my death on the cross, I made a way for the sinner that you're accusing to be died, to to, to be crucified, to, to die, to be destroyed. That's no longer who Nate is. And through my resurrection, a new Nate has been born who is holy and righteous and one with me. I say who he is. I say he is forgiven, clean, holy, righteous, pure, spotless, blameless, my son, in whom I am well pleased. It is written, if anyone is in Christ Jesus, this person is a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come. It is written, there is therefore now no condemnation at all for those who are in Christ Jesus. I say who he is, and I say it is finished. No accusation can be brought against you. And because no accusation can be brought against you, I believe Jesus comes over to you like he came over to the woman. I think he gently takes your face in his hands. He smiles at you and he says, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. In other words, walk in the freedom from sin that I have won for you because you are no longer the sinner. You are now the saint. Your nature has changed. You're no longer a slave to sin. Be free. The only one with the right to condemn you refuses to condemn you because he was condemned in your place. And now he stands forever joyfully in your defense. So let's take a minute and just worship our incredible Savior who is stronger, stronger than Satan, stronger than death, stronger than your sin and mine. If you know this song, feel free to sing along. If you don't know it, just take in the words. Meditate on what your Heavenly Father, what Jesus, what the Holy Spirit wants to say to you through the song this morning. But I'm going to ask you, let's stand as we worship Him together.
1: Love that came for us, humble to a sinner's cross. You broke my shame in sinfulness. You rose again, victorious. Faithfulness none can deny. Through the storm and through the fire, there is truth that sets me free. Jesus Christ, who lives in me. You are stronger. You are stronger sin is broken. You have saved me. It is written. Christ is risen. Jesus, you are Lord of all. No beginning and My hope and my defense, you came to seek and save the lost. You paid it all upon the cross. You are stronger, you are stronger. Sin is broken, you have saved me. It is written, Christ is risen, Jesus, you are Lord of all. So let your name be lifted higher. Be lifted higher. Be lifted higher. So let your name be lifted higher. Be lifted higher. Be lifted higher So let your name be lifted higher. Be lifted higher. Be lifted higher, let your name be lifted higher, be lifted higher, be lifted higher. You are stronger, you are stronger, sin is broken, you have saved me. It is red son, Christ is risen, Jesus you, Lord of all you are stronger, you are stronger, sin is broken you have saved me It is red son, Christ is risen. Jesus, you are Lord of all.
0: Amen. Have a seat. I think a good, a good song from the heart to the Lord is better than any sermon. So let's just go home. We're done. No kidding. Um, all right now put yourself inside another story that jesus taught to help us understand god's amazing love for us and and frankly what it means to be his sons to be his kids and i think we mentioned this a few weeks ago um, for the ladies in the room the bible is not being sexist when it calls all believers sons it's actually elevating the status of women because at the time when the scriptures were written, only sons, only firstborn sons could inherit property, could inherit uh, finances. I'm getting a bunch of feedback here. Is that me? No? Okay. Um, only sons, only firstborn sons could inherit and, and in, in that culture. And so by, by God calling men and women sons through faith in Christ, he is saying that you are equal to the men. And the women of the day knew that and recognized that and realized that and celebrated that. He's saying you are equal. You are co-heirs to the kingdom of God. And so so this story is, is a story that Jesus told to help us understand what it means to be his kids and what it means to be his sons. What it means to be loved by him. The prodigal son. Again, you can close your eyes if, if, uh, if you want to, if it'll help, but, but really put yourself there, either listening to Jesus tell the story or put yourself in the story or in the shoes or, of one or more of the characters. Ask the Holy Spirit to guide your imagination as you do this and trust that he will. Allow yourself to experience the word this morning. This is Luke 15, 11 to 32. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Now, in the culture of the day, just a note here, what what the younger son is saying to his father in modern terms is, Father, I hate you. I hate this place. I wish you were dead, but since you're not dead, give me the money I'll get when you are dead because I'm leaving. This is an extremely hurtful thing to say to the father. Bring the best robe and put it on and Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For, for the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. <clears throat> Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. "'Your brother has come,' he replied, "'and your father has killed the fatted calf "'because he has him back safe and sound.' "'The older brother became angry and refused to go in. "'So his father went out and pleaded with him. "'But he answered his father, "'Look, all these years I've been slaving for you "'and never disobeyed your orders, "'yet you never gave me even a young goat "'so that I could celebrate with my friends.' But when this son of yours who has squandered your, your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fatted calf for him? My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Again, you can open your eyes if you had them closed. Where did the Holy Spirit lead you? Were you listening to Jesus tell the story? Were you in the story? Did you relate to one or more of the characters? Were you in their shoes? Did you switch back and forth? Where did he take you and why did he take you there? That's another good question to ask him. What is Father teaching you through how he led your imagination? What stood out to you about the Father's love for the sons? Some things that that stood out to me in this story that neither son, neither son realized how much they meant to their father or what it meant to be his sons. One rejected him completely and the other thought he had to work incredibly hard and follow all the rules to a T in order to earn his father's approval when all they had to do was come home and be with him at any moment, at any given time and they would have found that he loved them, was proud of them, accepted them, embraced them, rejoiced over them, celebrated them simply because they were his sons and not somebody else's. I'm also struck by how much he loved them before, during, and even after their sin, but even during their sin. He loved them because of who they were, his sons. Not because of what they did or didn't do. And the reality is, God loves you and me the same way. And if you've trusted Jesus as your Savior, he will follow you, embrace you, run after you, rejoice over you, stay with you, never leave you, remind you that you're still clean, holy, righteous, forgiven, his son, his daughter, in whom he is well-pleased even when you stumble and fall, even when you sin, and frankly, even when you are sinning. Not because you're faithful or unfaithful in any given moment in the realm of your behavior, but because you're his child. Eternally cleansed and forgiven, reborn into his family. The gospel is about birth. It's not about behavior. Behavior matters. Don't hear what I'm not saying. The younger son and the older son's behavior broke the heart of the father. There's no question. The older son's behavior kept him from from enjoying everything that already belonged to him. He refused to go into the party. The party was for him too. Behavior matters. It'll get in the way of your experience of and enjoyment of the things of God. Don't hear what I'm not saying. But your acceptance is not based and your belovedness is not based and your sonship is not based on your behavior. It's based on your birth. It's based on what you are, not what you do. You are a son of the living God through faith in Christ. To quote the father in verse 31, while his son is in the middle of sinning. Think about this for a minute. What the father says to the older son in verse 31, he says to the older son while the older son is in the middle of sinning. Not after he sinned, but while he is still sinning. He's, He's not caring whether his younger brother was dead or alive. In fact, given the context, he's wishing in the moment that his younger brother was dead and never came home in the middle of all of that hatred towards his own brother, which Jesus says in the Gospels is the same as murder before God in your heart, in the midst of that murderous hatred, in the midst of that jealousy, that pride, that arrogance, that self-righteousness, that judgmentalism, in the middle of all of those sins, the father leaves the party, comes out to him, and pleads with him to join the party. And he says to him, my son. In the middle of all of that sinning, he says, my son. Which is a term of complete acceptance and in complete embrace and complete belovedness. He still accepts his son, even if he's not accepting the behavior. But here's the thing. He doesn't say to the son, you idiot. I didn't raise you to be like that. What's wrong with you? I can't believe you don't care that your younger brother's dead or alive. That's, you know, that's messed up. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, change your attitude and then you can come to the party. In the middle of his sinning, he says, come to the party. He doesn't say, okay, you're not my son anymore. I didn't raise you to be like that. You know what, forget it. He's my son, you're not, get lost. He doesn't say that. He says, my son. Complete acceptance. Complete embrace. Complete embrace. I believe in this moment, complete heartbreak, yes. But complete acceptance and complete embrace and complete belovedness, my son. You are always with me. That's present tense. That includes when his son is doing well and when his son is not doing well. That includes when his son is behaving righteously and when his son is sinning. He's still with the father. 24-7. And everything I have, all of God's love, all of God's embrace, all of God's acceptance, all of God's belovedness, all of his grace, all of his mercy, all of his kingdom, as a co-heir with Christ, everything I have is yours. Present tense. Again, that would include on his good days and on his bad days. When he's behaving and when he's sinning. he's a son. Let's take a moment and and praise our Heavenly Father that if you've trusted Jesus as your Savior, there is a permanent place of love, embrace, and acceptance for you in our Father's house. And if you haven't yet trusted Jesus as your Savior, there is a permanent place of acceptance and embrace and belovedness waiting for you with your name on it. If you want it, the scriptures say that if anyone wants to to join the family of God, they need to do two things. They need to repent and believe. And in the Greek, repent simply means change your mind, it means agree with God. That's all it means. It means that agree with God. If you haven't already, agree with God that up until this point in your life, you have been a sinner, part of the family of Adam. But that you now believe through Jesus' life, death, burial, and resurrection, he made a way for you to be taken out of that family and reborn as a son. A son of God. Let him know that's what you want. And from that moment on, you will have been reborn into his family. Again, if you know this song, feel free to sing along. If not, please uh, just listen to the words and, and ask yourself, Father, what are you saying to me through this time of worship? Let's worship together. Let's stand.
1: Who am I that the highest king would? lost, but he brought me in, oh, his love for me, oh, his love for me, who the Sun sets free, oh, is free indeed, I'm a child of God, yes, I am. Free at last, he has ransomed me. His grace runs deep. While I was a slave to sin, Jesus died for me. Yes, he died for me. The sun sets free. Oh, it's free indeed, I'm a child of God, yes, I am. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. I'm a child of God, yes, I am. I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. You are for me, not against me. I am who you say I am. I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. You are for me, not against me. I am who you say I am. Oh, I am who you say I am. And I am who you say I am. Who the sun sets free, always free indeed. I'm a child of God, yes I am. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. I'm a child of God, yes I am. I am chosen, not forsaken, I am who you say I am. You are for me, not against me, I am who you say I am. You are for me, not against me. I am who you say I am. Oh, I am who you say I am, Lord. I am who you say I am. Yes, I am who you say I am.
0: Grab a seat. I want to finish off this morning just by listening to a passage of Scripture together. Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 11 to 12. Just listen to the heart of your Father for you. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. I'm going to read it again, but I want you to forget for a moment that I'm reading it from the pages of Scripture, and I want you to remember that the reason it's recorded in the pages of Scripture for all time is because this is still God's heart for his people today. This is his promise to you as his child, and it's his desire for you if you're not yet his child. I want you to hear, actually hear, your Heavenly Father, Jesus your Savior, the Holy Spirit your Teacher. I want you to hear Him speaking this to your heart this morning. Because He is. I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. You will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that salvation is, again, so much more than being cleansed. It's being reborn into a family, a real family, where you are the head, where you are the Father, and we can now come boldly into the throne room of grace, your word says. Why? Because we're just walking into Daddy's presence. Would you show us this week how much we're loved? Would you open up our eyes to see what you've really done for us? What it means to be sons, co-heirs with Christ? To know the reality that you are always with us and everything you have is ours. To the good times and the bad times, the easy times and the hard times. and on our good days and on our bad days. Commit this to you in Jesus' name. Amen. I believe we're just moving right into a time of communion, right? Uh, So as we celebrate communion, (coughs) I just encourage you to remember that, that it is meant to be a celebration. It's meant to be a celebration of what Christ has accomplished for you and I. And it also has some throwbacks to the Old Testament Passover feast. When the Israelites were in Egypt on the night where the, the angel of, of, of the Lord came down and struck the firstborn, he instructed them to put lamb's blood on the doorposts of their homes. And if, if the angel of the Lord came down and saw the blood on the doorposts, he would pass over them. He would pass over their house and they would be safe but he also instructed them to eat the lamb and eat it in a hurry as sustenance for the journey out of Egypt. And it was a symbol of how Jesus is not only the sacrifice for our sin through his shed blood, but it was a symbol that that we also take him into ourselves at salvation and he now becomes the sustenance, the spiritual life that we need to get through the journey to the promised land. I should say, through the promised land. So as we, as we take communion, it's a symbol that represents the fact that Jesus Christ is alive in you. And you don't have to live the Christian life. You have Christ to live it through you. After all, who can do a better job at living like Jesus? You, me, or Jesus? Jesus. Where does Jesus live? In you. So why would we spend our time trying to imitate him when we have him and we can learn to let him be himself through us? Communion is a symbol that represents that you and Christ are now one as you take him into yourself, which you've already done through faith in him, so that now he can live his life through you. What we say at Crossways is Jesus gave his life, God gave his life for you so that he could live his, give his life to you so that he could live his life through you. God gave his life for you so that he could give his life to you so that he can now live his life through you. So let's celebrate the fact that the scripture says the one who has joined himself to the Lord is one spirit with him. So I'm going to encourage you. um, I'm not sure if music's playing or not, um, but uh, either way, as you're ready, come up and grab the elements, and uh, let's take communion together. All right, I forgot to mention that as you uh, prepare to go about your day today, uh, Nick and Susie are at the back and would love to pray with you. If you have anything on your heart that you would like to pray or praise the Lord for or uh, talk to him about with someone else. Um, a couple other reminders as well. Um, there are other cards back there if you have questions from our series or questions in general about about scriptures. Let's talk about them together next week. So. Grab a card, fill it out, give it to Peggy today, and uh, she'll make sure that I get those. And again, there'll be opportunity to ask questions in person next week. And uh, just a reminder as well, there is information about Crossways to Life, our Christ-centered counseling ministry. Um, If you're interested in that or learning more about that, I would love to connect with you. Um, As we go this morning, or am I jumping the gun? We're singing first, aren't we, and then a benediction? All right, let's sing. Let's worship the Lord together. Let's stand.
1: Bless the Lord, O my soul, O my soul. Worship his holy name. Sing like never before, O my soul. I will worship your holy name. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship his holy name. Sing like never before, oh my soul, I will worship your holy name. You're rich in love and you're slow to end. Your name is great and your heart is kind. For all your goodness I will keep on singing. Ten thousand reasons for my heart to find. Bless the Lord, O my soul, O my soul, worship His holy name. Sing like never before, O my soul, I will worship Your holy name. and on thy day when my strength is failing, the end draws near, and my time has come. Still, my soul will sing Your praise unending. In thousand years, and then forevermore. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Oh my soul, worship his holy name. Sing like never before. Oh my soul, I will worship your holy name. I will worship your holy name. I will worship your holy name. We fall down, we lay our crowns at the feet of Jesus the greatness of your mercy and love. At the feet of Jesus, we cry holy. feet of you, Jesus, the greatness of your mercy and love, at the feet of Jesus, we Cry, holy 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 is the Lamb we cry
0: Thanks, Eli. All right, just some scriptures to meditate on, to hopefully hear the love of your Father through this morning. Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. John 6:37, "All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away." John 8:31, "My son, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. Go in the love, the grace, the mercy and the new life of the Father, the Son and the Spirit. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the Groundswell Podcast.
1: For more info or to support Groundswell, check out www.thegrandswellchurch.com. Grace and peace.